Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Thursday, December the 14th, and we're going to start today's episode focusing on homelessness in Kent in the lead up to Christmas. Now, two parts of the county have been named today as among the worst places for the issue here in the southeast. Dartford has the sixth highest rate, with an estimated 893 people either sleeping rough or living in temporary accommodation. Swale is 10th on the list, which has been compiled by shelter. Now Kate has been speaking to Seb Clear who's from the charity. We've got new research out today that shows that almost 30,000 people are homeless across the southeast, and that includes uh, over 13,000 children and these shocking levels of homelessness are unprecedented actually. Um, we've seen a rise of almost 10% across the last year so the housing crisis is only getting worse I'm afraid. Um, both across the country and in the southeast. So the research that we've got is the most comprehensive picture that we can get around homelessness, but it doesn't cover absolutely everyone. So it doesn't cover sofa surfing because that's not recorded anywhere and we've got no way really of accessing those sort of numbers. But what it does include is anyone who's sleeping on the street, sleeping in a doorway, sleeping rough. And it also includes those thousands of families who are living in temporary accommodation Now, that might be in a hostel room or a hotel because they've been evicted from their current home, made homeless and have had to be housed by the council. So what you're seeing there, what that means in practice is looking towards Christmas is families of three, four, five people in one room, sleeping all in a couple of beds, having to do all their cooking in one room, often in really poor conditions. So it's a real struggle for people, especially in the Christmas period. There's a few reasons. Obviously, we're still in the midst of a cost of living crisis uh, with record levels of private rent. And that means that more and more people have been evicted from their privately rented homes because they can't afford to live in them anymore. And of course, there's also the question of evictions more generally because the private rented sector in this country is fundamentally insecure. And so people can be evicted for no reason by their private landlord. And that's something that the government needs to urgently fix through the Renters' Reform Bill. But also there's a long-term cause here, and that's the failure of successive governments to build the genuinely affordable social homes that this country needs. And until we start building genuinely affordable homes at rents that people can afford, We're going to continue to see a housing emergency and we're going to continue to see record levels of homelessness. Meantime, a charity that's based in the county town have told the podcast they saw a spike in families relying on food banks during the first week back at school in September. And Maidstone Homeless Care have gone on to say how spiralling costs mean that household budgets can very quickly get out of control. They've supplied more than 3,000 packs of food this year and helped 532 children. Tara Beckett is the manager and has been speaking to reporter Cara Simmons. In 24 hours someone's life can change. That you know we see people come through the door that have had jobs and families um, and then there's been a relationship breakdown, um, debt and, and just trying to keep their heads above water. So that and that's you know at the extreme it leads to homelessness um, but also on our food bank side it's those that are just struggling um, to get by on their universal credit or their low income. Um, so, yeah, it's it's kind of very much focused. But also mental health as well. Mental health is a, is a thread that seems to run through nearly everyone that walks through the door as well. Nowadays, homelessness can, can literally affect anyone, sort of 
anyone at all, sort of anyone yeah. that is, you know, who might have a house. Yeah. And then suddenly, completely, it just completely changes, it, doesn't it? It, it does. We, you know, the stories we have of people where it just, and it's it's like a spiral down, people's lives can downward spiral very quickly. Um, and I think there's things that are out of their control. So there would be mortgage, you know, rents going up, mortgage rates, food prices going up, where they were surviving on what they could do. Their money's just going going a lot quicker or not going as far as it is, you know. Um, we're all, we all feel it. We all feel it. Um, so, yeah, it, it can change. Very, people's lives can change very quickly. What, what would you say is sort of... You- the common problem with the cost of living at the moment you know is it rent is it food prices is it jobs or is it is it bills what sort of like I think it's everything I think I think it's everything because yeah people are who are on a a steady income that that they're having to you know the fuel bills have gone up petrol's gone every everything has gone up but probably their salary so it's just trying to make what money they've got stretch that little bit further and working out, I suppose, their priorities. Now, Kent Online is once again supporting Maidstone Homeless Care with their You Can Help appeal for donations to fund the various services that they offer. If you head to the website today, you can find out how you can get involved. There's also a link to Donate Cash, plus details for their Amazon wish list. Kent Online News. We're moving on to health news now, and new figures out today show there were more than 50,000 A&E attendances across Kent last month. 66% of people were seen within four hours. That is much lower than the NHS target of 95%. Around 2,200 people waited more than 12 hours. Elsewhere, the Food Standards Agency is backing calls for allergy information to be compulsory on restaurant menus following the death of a former Kent schoolboy. 18-year-old Owen Carey, who went to Skinner School in Tunbridge Wells, suffered a fatal reaction after being served a buttermilk chicken burger despite telling staff he was allergic to dairy. The watchdog is promising to write to ministers to discuss options. Ambulance bosses have apologised after a woman was left lying in a road in Thanet for almost four hours. Paramedics were called after she toppled off her mobility scooter in Westgate on Monday night. She was eventually taken to the QEQM and we're pleased to say is now recovering at home. South East Coast Ambulance Service have said sorry for the distress and delay caused. It's emerged East Kent Hospitals Trust is among the most financially challenged in the country and it's facing a deficit of nearly £70 million. Bosses have been struggling to make savings so the trust is being overseen by NHS England to try and improve progress. It runs hospitals in Ashford, Margate, Canterbury, Dover and Folkestone. And finally, the MP for Canterbury is calling for more action to tackle sexual assault and harassment in the health service. Figures from the British Medical Association show a third of NHS female surgical staff have been attacked by colleagues in the past five years. Well, Rosie Duffield has been leading a debate in Parliament. I'm grateful to have the opportunity to raise the issue of sexual assault against surgeons, nurses, doctors and other healthcare professionals and patients in clinical settings. In April, I used my PMQ to mention the report commissioned by the Women's Rights Network and written by my friend, the sociologist and criminologist Professor Joe Phoenix, entitled When We Are At Our Most Vulnerable. The report revealed some truly shocking statistics about violent sexual assault, everyday inappropriate and unwanted acts, intruding into the work lives of professionals and disrupting the recovery of those most vulnerable and ill. 
How dare we call ourselves a civilised society if we turn a blind eye to this and do not do everything possible to support those women and some men who are brave enough to come forward, as well as those who do not feel they can and suffer in silence. Professor Phoenix found that more than 6,500 rapes and sexual assaults had been committed in hospitals in England and Wales over a period of nearly four years. Some were against children under 13. Yet a mere 265, that's a minute 4.1%, are known to have been charged. We know that hospitals are of course monitored by many CCTV cameras and individual wards usually have safe door entry systems, which begs the question as to why only that tiny percentage of 4.1 of the cases resulted in a charge or a summons. The British Medical Association, the BMA, represents doctors and medical students across the UK. They state the BMA is deeply concerned by the overwhelming number of doctors who have experienced sexual harassment at work. In their Sexism in Medicine report of September 2021, they found that 91% of women doctors in the UK have experienced sexism at work, with 42% feeling that they could not report it. The pressures and enormous stress placed on our NHS professionals are well known, but these women who save lives, whether as a surgeon, nurse, even a friendly and reassuring receptionist, deserve to work in a safe, and respectful environment where they're given the dignity they deserve. Patients must be and feel safe at all times within a clinical setting. I'm certain that the Minister also agrees, and I'd be happy to work with him to ensure we get a much better place for all of those who need and love our NHS. And this is what Health Minister Andrew Stevenson had to say in response. Let me be clear. This behaviour is disgusting and it is deplorable, and it has absolutely no place in our hospitals Staff who dedicate their lives to helping others need to be able to do their jobs without fear of any kind of abuse, let alone sexually motivated remarks, insults or attacks. NHS leaders have a duty of care towards their staff and patients. Ensuring staff are safe and treated with respect is a crucial part of creating safe and compassionate workplaces. NHS organisations also have clear policies to deal with reports of harassment or bullying. We know that raising and reporting sexual harassment and misconduct is never easy, particularly when the perpetrators are in positions of authority or are patients. However, victims need to feel confident to raise such issues and be reassured that appropriate action will be taken by their employers. Most uh, NHS uh, organisations now have trained staff to help colleagues raise uh, concerns in this area. This includes a network of over a thousand local Freedom to Speak Up guardians across all trusts, supported by an independent national guardian to help drive positive cultural change. We've also established a confidential helpline for staff who want to speak up but need guidance about what to do and where to turn. NHS organisations must do everything they can to stamp out these unacceptable behaviours at all levels across the health and care system. And in April this year, the former Secretary of State convened an urgent meeting with NHS England to ensure that NHS organisations are doing more to tackle these behaviours. And we have made some progress, although I would acknowledge there is much more to do. Kent Online reports.
A man's been arrested following a suspected arson attack near Tunbridge Wells. Fire crews were called to a van alight on Hastings Road in the early hours of last Sunday. A 31-year-old who lives locally has been questioned and bailed while investigations continue. Meantime, a suspected drug dealer has been charged after being arrested in Tunbridge Wells. Police seized a Rolex watch, imitation firearm and mobile phones after searching his car and a property in East Sussex. The 55-year-old is due in court in January. If you follow Kent Online on socials or head to the website, you can see pictures of two women being hunted by police after purse thefts in Swale. One victim was targeted in Market Street in Faversham. Two others have reported crimes in the Forum and Albany Road in Sittingbourne. And a suspected shoplifters appeared in court after hundreds of pounds worth of items were stolen in parts of Kent. Police have been called to reports of thefts at a pharmacy in Tenterton, a business in Lenham and petrol stations in Maidstone. A 50-year-old is due back in court in the new year. Next today, there are calls for more education about transgender issues in schools after an academy was criticised for adding it to the national curriculum. Now, bosses at Mepham Community Academy wanted to introduce gender identity for primary pupils, but some parents complained. They've now gone back on the idea, but Dawn Kent, a transgender woman from Gravesend, is urging people to be more open-minded. She's been chatting to reporter Keely Greenwood and says more education on transgender issues would have helped her while she was growing up. I think primary is a little bit too young because, yeah, you know, some some children will start their puberty whilst they are still at primary school. And yes, they will have lots of questions and um, and things like that. You know, that's, that's what makes us human. That's what makes us unique, you know, because things happen at different times. Um, but to bring that sort of education, I mean, we didn't have any form of sex education until we got into secondary school. Um, and if I remember rightly, that was in our first year. And even then we had to take a letter home to get written consent from our parents just to learn the basics. You know, there was never anything about LGBT back then. But would it have helped you, even if you're saying primary school is too young, the thoughts that you were having when you were eight or nine, if there had been like a topic at school about it, that might have helped you because you might have thought, oh, that's yes. what... Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, um, I think it would have done um, if things were more... If things were more open back then, I think it would have helped a lot of people. And I guess you wouldn't have felt so different like you might have thought is anyone else feeling like this or is it just me and then yeah, you find absolutely, that that thing absolutely. That... I think one of the things was you know there was there there were times when I felt pretty lonely you know because I wanted to be the real me and I couldn't be and I felt lonely and it is it, it, it is like the saying you can be in a crowded room but you can still feel lonely. And what were the hardest things about it, if you don't mind? I would say not being able to talk to somebody. That was the biggest thing. I certainly believe it should be covered, um, in certainly in secondary school, because, you know, I, I feel it would help. And I think as well, you know, if, if parents want to partake, um, I know we're not going to change everybody's views. I know we're not. But if there were, if there were parents out there that would be just willing to listen, 
you know, because it can be a traumatic time for children. It's just a little bit of education. Wouldn't hurt. Kent Online reports. The leader of the Kent Council's revealed they can't take on any more asylum seekers. David Burton, who's in charge in Maidstone, has told the committee they've already got up to 900 people waiting to be housed and 270 families in emergency accommodation. Despite government offering financial support, he says properties simply aren't available. A Hern Bay mum is calling for a block of flats to be demolished because of mould issues. Courtney Fenton lives in Elizabeth Court and is worried for the health of her baby as mould keeps appearing on his clothes, cot and toys. Well, a health visitor's written to the council urging them to move the family. Bosses say they've given advice on ventilating the property and are urging Courtney to contact them about any further issues. It's claimed today teachers are having to stop pupils stampeding to get on buses in Canterbury as there's not enough room for all of them. Parents living in Dunkirk near Faversham are calling for another service to be added to help children get home from Canterbury Academy. Well, Stagecoach have told us they've already supplied bigger double-deckers and insist there is enough space. Now, this is one of our most read stories on the website today. Top Boy star Ashley Waters has revealed he'll have to move if a Kent Council keeps rejecting his plans to extend his home. Well, Lucy joins me now with more on this one. Lucy, firstly, can you tell us a bit about Ashley? Yes, so as you say, most people will probably know him as Deshane in the Netflix drama, but he also used to be in So Solid Crew, who had hits back in the day, including 20 seconds. What you might not know is that the 41-year-old lives near Hearn Bay. In fact, he says he's a big fan of the county. So what's the planning issue? Well, Ashley wants to extend his bungalow and build a swimming pool, cinema and gym in the back garden. The planning applications were submitted to Canterbury City Council in March and May of this year. The first was for two-storey front and rear extensions. The second was for a two-storey front extension and a single-storey rear extension, but neither that were given the green light. And in fact, he spoke about it on TV recently. Yes, he's been interviewed by Louis Theroux as part of his recent series and says they're trying to appeal the decision. If it doesn't get permission, he said the family will have to relocate, but not back to London as his children are settled in school. So what have the council had to say? Communications officer Robert Davies has sent a statement. It says the most recent application was refused on the grounds that its scale, form, design, appearance and prominence would relate poorly to the design of the existing building and would appear as an incongruous addition to the host property. It would also harm the visual quality of the street scene and the character and appearance of the area. It goes on to say the applicant has appealed this decision as is their right and this matter will now be considered by the Independent Planning Inspectorate. Lucy, thank you ever so much. Kent Online News. Work's underway to try and remove roadworks ahead of the big Christmas getaway. Not long now, as their national highways have told us 98% of motorways and A-roads will be free from cones in time for the festive season. They've also completed works that have been taking place on the M2 in Gillingham, M20 near Ashford and A20 near Dover. And we're finally able to see Rochester on the small screen as part two of the last season of The Crown is released today. The Guildhall in the High Street was used for scenes showing Charles and Camilla's wedding, which actually in real life happened in Windsor. Dominic West, who plays the Prince, was spotted filming scenes earlier this year and the stars recently came together for the premiere of part two of the final season in London. Peter Morgan created the show. Whenever we come together it's a lovely feeling because you know it is like a second family and I you know I've been working on this show with people who've been there from the beginning 
So it's been a decade of my life, you know. So so obviously I'm deeply invested and care a lot. Kent Online Sports. Football and Gillingham boss Stephen Clements has revealed he was quite grateful for a bit of a break last weekend because their League Two match at Barrow was called off. The team coach actually got as far as rugby services when they were told about the waterlogged conditions there. The Jules are getting ready for a very busy festive period. They've got five games between now and New Year's Day. On to cricket and Kent wicketkeeper and batsman Harry Finch has signed a new contract. The new deal will keep him at the club until the end of the 2025 season. And finally, it's a very happy Happy birthday to Medway Park. The Leisure Centre is celebrating its 50th anniversary. It was opened back in the day by Sir Roger Bannister, who was the first man to break the four-minute mile, and Harriet Smith, who's a sports development officer at Medway Park, has been telling us how they'll be celebrating. We are going back to 1973. Um, our classes for the day will have a 1973 vibe to them, so a lot of music from that era. And then at 7 o'clock, we've got one big workout, um, which is going to be very um, disco, 1973 disco inspired and we have a live DJ too. You can also read our very special report on the history of Medway Park by heading to the website. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, X, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up to that, you need to head to kentonline.co.uk. Whilst you're on the site today, you can check out our latest Eat My Words food review. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.